Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are live from the path. And you're listening to live from the path. We're coming from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. <laughs> I'm not. I, I got nothing on that. Dan, do you remember the lyrics to this song yet? By the way, no, no, not at all. Okay. Not, yeah, I've only spent 20 years. Right. I am a working, working man. man. <laughs> Took me five years to know they were saying that. Oh, working. Oh, working, working man. man. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, that's great. Yeah, he's working for somebody's kid. I think. I'm not sure. Actually, so I, I um, it, it was weird. I um, uh, I was listening to this. I, I I don't actually listen to this song like as a normal course. I used right. to, and then they come the the theme song to the show, and then I just don't I don't ever go back and listen to it. Yeah. But I picked up this song and I was listening to that. That whole album's good. Yeah, Mike. That was well, I don't remember what that one was called. I think it was the self titled. Yeah, the self titled New World Sun album. Um, uh, the whole thing's pretty good. Oh yeah, Commanders on there. There's good tunes on that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah. gonna ask you. So it's New World Sun is who sings it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. If well. you want Alexa to to play it, you have to say New World Sun. <laughs> Interesting. If you say New World Sun, she won't get it. But Speak, if you th- speaking of Alexa, what? by the way, one of the funniest things ever was Mike broke out into singing Chingy's Chingy's Holiday Inn. Right after we got done eating dinner tonight, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because you wouldn't expect Mike to break out into that song. But then I asked Alexa to play a clean version of that song from Chingy, and she responded with, I can't find any clean songs by Chingy. Well, yeah, that's, that's rough. absolutely true. I, uh, Dan and I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've so never... It sounds like uh, Chinese food or something. I don't get, Ch- those, really? I don't get those channels. <laughs> well, Chingy did a song with uh, Snoop Dogg, and it's called Holiday Inn. Do not Chilling listen. at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, Booba, give me a few bars. I, I can't on this show. <laughs> I did it. That, that yeah, was... That's pretty much all you can say. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Nothing chilling at the Holiday Inn. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Uh, hey, we got going, your new theme song. We got going on the show tonight. <laughs> hey, man, I got all kinds of really cool articles. Uh... So uh, the fastest, uh, the fastest growing church has no buildings, no central leadership, and is mostly led by women. Oh, uh, we're, we're going to read that. Uh, we're going to read that article. Oh, oh, good sign. The Mike's immediate reaction is, uh oh, uh oh. You know, me and Franklin Graham are not going to like this. Here we go. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, there was an article on the Christian Post that said Jesus. I love this story. Jesus appeared to Middle Eastern Muslim every night. Recited entire Gospel of John. Hold wow. on, I, I'm going to tell you this story because it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so a church planner working in the Middle East has shared the miraculous ways the gospel is moving across the persecuted region. Um, as part of the Gospel Coalition, something needs to change. And you know the Gospel Coalition. I mean, these aren't miracle people. Uh, but there was an event held Wednesday night. <laughs> what? <laughs> they're, uh, they're reformers. Okay, I know. They tend to be that. cessationists. Like, <laughs> these aren't miracle people. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not <laughs> miracle people. <laughs> they're not the types of guys who are going to go out and be like, there's miracles happening all they're over the su- place. They're not super charismatic. That's <laughs> what you're getting they're at. not selling the blessed tanker yeah, chips. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. they're, pretty, they're pretty straight-laced. Anyway, uh, author and pastor of McLean Bible Church held an interview. Uh, David Platt held an interview with a missionary identified only as Yazim. Says uh, he lives and works in a part of the Middle East where not only is it illegal to share the gospel, it's life-threatening to talk about how the gospel is advancing. Um, so Yazim shares a story. He says of a man who lived about 50 kilometers outside of an unnamed Middle Eastern city known for vast opium use. And he says this: This man said this to us when we visited him. 
A man wearing all white knocked at my door every night, and I couldn't look at him because his face was so shiny and bright, Yazim recalled. When he would come inside, he asked me to write down what he said. As I wrote, I fell asleep. The next night, he would come again for the next month. Yazim asked the man, what did you write? May I see your notebook? The man showed Yazim his notebook, and it was written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The opening portion of the New Testament book of John. He had the whole book of John verbatim in his notebook, Yazim revealed. Jesus visited him every night until he finished the book. This ama- the amazing thing, uh, thing is, the man actually asked us, who was this man that visited me? He said, I learned a valuable lesson. God will do his part, but we still have to do ours. That revealed that Yazim's own conversion story is miraculous. His wife was a devout Muslim who, profoundly depressed by the demands of Islam, decided to take her own life. However, that very night, she heard the gospel for the first time and dedicated her life to Jesus. Following that event, she and her husband decided to stay in their homeland and dedicate their lives to sharing the gospel despite the risks. Our focus is to make disciples who make disciples who then start new churches, Yazim said. We believe that what God commanded us to do is Matthew 28. We believe that if you make disciples, churches will grow. Yazim and his wife revealed they hope to plant 10 more churches, but making disciples takes time and funding as new Christians must be taken to secret locations to be trained. This training, along with supporting the leaders, will cost $25,000 for 10 churches to be developed. That's not bad for 10 churches. Platt, who earlier in the night announced the proceeds from his latest book will go to urgent needs in the world, said, Well, Yazim, we praise God for what you're doing on the front lines of the Middle East. We want you to know from your brothers and sisters who are behind you on those lines that you're not alone. Count us in for that twenty-five grand to plant ten churches in the Middle East. It says such stories of Jesus appearing in visions to Muslims throughout the Islamic world are not uncommon. I was going to say that. like I've read quite a few yeah. like relatively consistently uh, in the Muslim world. Um, said, according to Mission Frontiers magazine, out of 600 Muslim converts, 25% experienced a dream that led to their conversion. Last year, a former Muslim-turned-pastor who started hundreds of churches in Pakistan told the Christian Post that many Muslims are making decisions to convert after Jesus himself had visited them in dreams and visions. Anyway, I, it's, it's, a cool, it's a cool story. Uh, and not only is it kind of a cool thing anyway to, to, to that, that Jesus is appearing to folks in dreams, but like the outcome of this story was super neat. Right, that like night overnight, Jesus recites to him uh, the Gospel of John, which starts to speak to um, some of the, the critiques that people will say. It was like, oh, well, this is a man, Gospel of John, a man wrote that, right? How do we know that it's inspired? I mean, Jesus thinks it's working. <laughs> he's, he's sharing the Gospel of John, says this right. work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. John's up there going, I knew I was the one he loved. Yeah. <laughs> My version was the best. Oh. Anyway. That is a cool story. Yeah. Now, hold on. See, this is what's happened to me, right? Because the first thing I think of is, well, I wonder what translation that he was writing in. <laughs> right? Did, did, if, if he says he got the Gospel of John verbatim, I'm like, does that mean the Lord loves the ESV? What Bible did Platt have on it? <laughs> what does Yazim use? <laughs> That's the one I want. <laughs> uh, actually, we had the beginning. I should, I tell you what, here's what I'm going to promise to do and not get around to. I'm going to take that, what he, what he posted there on the first uh, few lines, and I'll compare it to the modern translations and see who's close. Yeah. Then we'll all switch to it. Yeah, I'll react disappointed. Definitely. Next week. Hey, actually, so <laughs> speak- promise that for me, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, so like, uh, keep an eye on the Gospel Coalition. They cycle through Bible versions every year, like five, five, six years. They're like, yeah, ESV, this is the one, and then they uh, they switch pretty quickly to the CSB. The CSB? Yeah. What's the CSB. big What's the big difference there? Uh, it's so it, it's a little bit more readable uh, if you want to think of it that way than the ESV. Oh. <laughs> Any, anytime that it's a switch to, to make it more readable drives me absolutely I mean, e- Yeah, you, you got to be careful with that. ESV is attempting for readability, too. And, and so, like, everybody has to attempt readability because you're converting languages. 
Right. Right. Like that's it's, the whole it's, point. Right. I mean, it's not a. It, it's not like a. It's not an easy, and it's not yeah. an unfaithful thing. It's like it's attempting to render proper context and right, language yeah, in, in old yep. things. Right. So right. like, um, I used to have that reaction. Uh, I, I still do in parts of the message, but there's even parts of the message where actually the, the context is actually better, especially when it comes to um, the poetry, the poetry and stuff. Like it just it yeah. happens to do it a little bit better. So it. In in any way, I've like I've read the CSB. I don't know that I don't know that I care to be honest. I've not run into where like this is just fantastic and way better than something else. <laughs> now let me ask you, this, fellas, that that I trust to be following after Jesus, right? Like, is there any is there any merit to to attempting to like learn the the languages that like this was originally written in so that you can read it in that? Is it is it an unnecessary step? Is it you know the Greek the average guy? No, what I would think? say honestly because like I've honest mean, like I have I have a real desire to do that like to literally learn the languages and obviously not everything but like as much as i can i'd love to be able to read some of the original well as close to the original manuscripts as possible that are in the actual languages it was originally written in i mean that's really cool but i I just if you can get down first the stuff you can read in english true yeah (laughs) go ahead and start living that (laughs) that's a very valid point that's fair (laughs) then if you got that mastered you go ah Maybe I ought to figure out the Greek. Yeah, let's make. Well, see, <laughs> I'm I, just saying. I don't want to spend sixty years mastering that and then find out that the grammar was wrong in some of the Matthew stuff. Wait a minute! Like, I don't understand end times. Crap. He said, I "Eat it was bacon, a crow, not an eagle, man." Boy, that's true. You finally get all the Hebrew sorted out, right? And then you go talk to a guy, and he goes, "I don't know Hebrew, so can you tell it to me in English?" And you go, "Shucks, <laughs> I forgot my English." <laughs> Yeah, the last fifteen years I mean, in Israel. I, I think, uh, and 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 then I, I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but I think natural course of study, you pick up understanding of how certain words work. Yeah, um, consistency of certain words that are using, um, and I and I think because of the art of translation, I think looking up um, and and tracing down language, and again, if you do it right, like there's ways to do word studies where this is super valuable. I don't know that that translates to the same need. Um, to have to kind of know it and and read it yourself, like at at some point now, because I've had similar things. Uh, Dan's got one leg up; he's already done it. Uh, but like, there's a point of which, like, God has had faithful people who knew this, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, there was a part of me that felt like, am I recreating this for my own personal something, as opposed to like, can I just can I stand on the shoulders of faithful people who have studied this thing and trying to help me understand it? Can I just use that for like real crank work? And I, yeah, I'm not giving up on it yet. I think I still might, but like I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Don't you feel like like I I feel like if you if you can approach scripture knowing that it was translated right, there's different versions and and there's interpretations that happen, and especially when you read verses that you feel aren't in line with the character of God that you've read in the rest of the Bible. Then I, I think it's, I think it's word study time, right? It's it's right. time to check it out and and just double check and and if it still rings true, then you gotta let scripture change that out of you, right? And then that's and that's okay. Um, but like, there's a lot of things that that I used to read out of the Bible, and and then I'm like, man, this just does not feel like God's heart. Only to figure out that they got translated a, a funky way, you know, yeah. and and they 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 made some caveats and they were trying to tie something back to something that that maybe wasn't originally there. You know, and it's it's okay to look that stuff up and go, hey man, you know this got changed, and here's what they were going for, and eh, maybe they missed it, maybe they didn't. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, hey, speaking of that, there was a. Uh, so, do you guys use the digital Bible? You read it. You read it. Uh, you read uh, softback, or you read a uh, computer? I still Blue Letter Bible. I still 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 do softback. Okay, Dan, what do you use? Uh, Logos. 
Okay, yeah. So you're usually looking it up in the software in digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Now, yeah. do you now for per, for personal just personal reading? Same thing. You use the software? Or do you use like a? Yeah, like? yeah. I heard. I very rarely pick up a paper Bible anymore. Okay, move the same thing, or you do so everything I, in blue letter. Or I you? usually do blue letter. Okay. Okay, cool. So, so the, uh, there was there was an interesting article in Christianity Today it said digital Bibles help men read more, but retain less. It says men are more likely that. than women to finish Bible reading plans on an app, but they don't glean as much when using a good old fashioned paper book, according to a recent study in the Journal of Religion, Media, and Digital Culture. Women retained about the same amount of information and completed a similar amount of reading on either medium, though men finished more daily readings than women. Those who use that actually makes more sense. I feel like men in general are. More willing to try to um, to line up with a set of um, goals, tasks, or yeah. short goals. Um, women are more likely to commit to the broad principle of the thing, and then uh, be a little bit more flexible about how it gets done. And I think because men require that, le- I know I, I require that level of restraint. I need that level of kind of iterative uh, daily goals, and I have to force myself to hit it. Otherwise, like I will not retain commitment to the thing. <laughs> but it says. Um, Let's see. Uh, though men finished more daily readings than women, those who use the app completed, on average, almost two days more, two more days of reading than print users. I mean, that's not very many. Two days? Well, I mean, are they saying that's a half hour per reading, and they read so, a total yeah, of long? How much time? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking like, hey, I want to read daily. And oh, so, so like they committed to it two days longer? Yeah, like what? Like the the the, the uh, digital guys read a hundred days, and the print guys only read ninety eight. Uh, but you think they might be talking about like yeah, two days total scripture study? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know either. John Dyer, a Christian coder conducting his PhD research on the Bible software industry. Sounds like the fun, most fun guy I've ever heard of. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, we're going to call him. We're going to ask him about it, see if we can straighten this out. All right, JD. He didn't <laughs> expect differences between male and female readers to turn up in his data. Were you, yeah, were you just born yesterday? How'd you get to be this far into, into biblical I'm studies? I'm do gender studies, but I don't think there's going to be any difference. I feel like it's going to wash. <laughs> Outliers. Which is now the first to compare print and screen reading comprehension by gender. Said, by most social science measures, women are more religious than men. What? The recent American Bible study survey relates that more women report desire to engage with the Bible compared to men. Uh, another has shown that men and women view the Bible differently. And once this is accounted for, they tend to report the same feeling of being close with God. They view the Bible differently. Hold on. I was going to say, these are interesting statements. Are you close to God? Oh. Uh, are you, uh, your answer affects how you read Scripture. A new study suggests that both men and women who seek spiritual intimacy view the Bible more literally. No, nope, no, nope, that's a, you got to pay for that article. Forget that noise. Yeah, that's anyway. not us. Wait. So, uh, uh, come on. Let's see. Uh, Dyer's, uh, Dyer's finding echo broader social patterns. Boys tend to prefer digital formats more than girls, and female readers consistently score better in comprehension. <laughs> so it's not because it's the Bible. It's just because saying, that's the gender study there. Ladies, <laughs> yeah. ladies are more comprehensive. Um, plus, working men also work more than working women, according to U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, indicating <laughs> that it may be easier to turn digital reading in this setting. Okay. Uh, I, well, I, I'd be interested to know how many fellows are picking it up at work. Mike, you read it at work? No. No, I, I don't ask me that question, Ben. Uh, no, no, no. Booba doesn't do it. <laughs> he's a no on the other half. Um, Dan's job doesn't count. He's he's exempted yeah, from yeah. the survey. That <laughs> <laughs> um, his research actually doesn't narrowly focus on gender. Booba's in, in the wrong. He says, but seeks to understand the differences and habits between Bible reading in print versus digitally. For the study, Dyer enlisted participants from two non-denominational megachurches and one Southern Baptist church in the Dallas area. 
Oh, wait, this is focused specifically. Two non-denominationals and then a Southern Baptist church. I mean, it's probably hard to find a non-Southern Baptist down there. <laughs> um, he, asked, he asked participants to read the book of Jude in print or digitally and answer some questions. Then he asked them to participate in a 10-day reading plan of the book of John using the same medium as they did in the church class. I don't know about the structure of this survey. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he says... Did they uh, read in a Northern Baptist? Dyer conducted an assessment of their comprehension and asked how they felt after reading. The three most common answers were encouraged, discouraged, and confused. <laughs> that's two negatives, Ben. And that's the entire Bible. Well, that was Jude and John. No, I'm saying that's everyone's response. They're <laughs> yeah. either encouraged, discouraged, or confused. <laughs> I mean, because Jude doesn't tell me where this tussle over Moses' body happened, I am confused <laughs> and discouraged. And I want to know what happened. Uh, digital users were nearly twice as likely to report feeling confused, with many indicating that they would like to read it again or study Jude more. <laughs> uh, for the, now, I would get that with John, though. Like, John, you kind of got to take in. I, don't, I think the problem is with taking this stuff in digitally, and like uh, this might not be as true as, I guess, for you fellows, but because you use, especially when you're going to do it on your phone, you use your phone for so many other things. Like, it, yeah. there is... It loses its credibility, right? Like when you have to go, when you have to go to the bank to actually withdraw money. Like you, like you said, I got to set up a savings account, and I'm not going to get a debit card for it. I actually got to go there, sign the paper, and take out the 300 bucks, right? You're like, I'll never go there because I'm lazy, <laughs> and that money will stay there solid. And it's true, right? Because you have to be way more intentional about it. You got to devote some time to it, and all this jazz. And like the paper Bible tends to require that. Right, you got to get a place, and you got to get a lap to sit it on, and like you got, it's a thing, right? But your phone, you you'll be reading the Bible, and all of a sudden you're like, ding! Your aunt Margaret likes liked your puppy photo right. on Instagram. You're like, well, Aunt Margaret, what else is she up to? You're gone. That's it. You're yeah. gone. You know, I have trouble with the distraction. In that absolutely, I do. I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. I, I, when it comes down to it, I will be reading my Bible, and then I'll get 15 notifications. I'm like, come on, this is ridiculous. Like, and I can't stop my brain. My brain immediately just goes, oh, someone's on Facebook. Yeah. I click at Facebook. I'm like, I was in the middle of a verse. Like, I didn't even finish the verse, let alone any part of what I was actually reading before I popped over and checked my Snapchat real quick. And you looked got, at my and, Facebook. And you got to check your, your religious back. heart, right? Because yeah. parts of you will go, you know what? I can read and study this stuff, or I can get out in the world and make disciples. Let's head to Instagram. <laughs> What's right. happening? Actually, I'm following that sweet new post. That's definitely me, disciple. I, wow, know. those are some sweet-looking baby bag ribs. Uh, that nice goes, job, Adamson Barbecue. I think that goes to something we've talked about before, which is the very notion of notifications on your phone uh-huh. gives you, like, it's wide-open permission and says, hey, feel free to interrupt me at any time, no matter how important the thing is that I'm doing. Mike and I were talking about that earlier. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That exact conversation, the, the, the concept of, like, allowing people the opportunity to completely take away from anything else you're doing yeah. just simply because they're a part of your social media circle. And so it does not matter what you're doing. Your task at hand is not is not it is put aside when you see that Margaret said something about, uh, you know, her her new cat. Yeah, yeah. It's like, "Oh, sweet. Margaret, let me go check out this new cat." Wait, wasn't I doing something? Right. It doesn't matter now. And you just gave that person you full ability in, to do whatever they needed to do and sat there and you gave them a soapbox. Right. If you were sitting in your living room and one of the neighbor kids came up to the open front window and goes, "Hey man, Margaret's talking about her cat." You'd I would go, not leave my living room. That's right. You'd go, go away if you're not shouting to my window. <laughs> Timmy, leave. That's, but, but, like, that's exactly what our notifications yeah. on the phone allow is hey, Timmy to stick his we, face in the we, window. We should, we should do something like that where we set up some kind of video experiment <laughs> where instead of actually doing any kind of Facebooks or tweets or anything like that, we just show up to each other's houses and let them know that something else is happening and then see what the reaction is. Like, hey, just a heads up. 
Jim's doing some sweet stuff at his new job. Yeah. Cool. See, that would I'm be even leaving. funnier <laughs> with the passive aggressive posts, right? Yes. So you get so you just go to somebody's house and go, I was once underappreciated. No one will treat me like that Vague again. Booking <laughs> at someone's living well, room. There he goes. <laughs> Man, it's been a really stressful day. Don't need to talk about it though. Unknown prayer request. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, here's here's my lament about a, a a marital or a relationship issue that happened six years ago that I've definitely let go of. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not festering with it any longer. So, so here's the thing: as weird as it sounds to allow someone that much influence on your life or that much ability to interrupt whatever you're doing, right? Can you imagine the 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 gravasse that it takes for someone to do that to you, right? If you take it out of the social media realm and go, hey, everybody, check this out right now. Hey, right. check it out right now. Look what I did. Check it out. 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 <laughs> hey, you. Hey, you. Hey. You know what I'm saying? You're like, starting to sound a lot like me like two years ago. <laughs> check it out. So it, Look at me. <laughs> it, takes, it takes some real stones, right, to be able to, no matter what Dan is doing, Waltz into the church, find him in find him in his office, and go, "Hey Dan, look at this pasta pane. <laughs> look at it! 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 I'm eating green beans. Look at this! Look at it! Look at it! Look at it! <laughs> Did you see my meal yesterday? If you didn't hear this, look. Taken out of the Facebook or Instagram oh, or whatever context, it seems absurd, absurd that you would let someone do that or that you would do that to someone else. It's just over the top. I have uninstalled Messenger." From my iPad because I was just getting too much. I just get messages. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Messages, messages, messages. And since I have people, you know, global, so they're, they're twenty-four hours. Oh man, oh, yeah. twenty-four hours a day. You hey, how you doing? Philippine like, messages too. Sleeping. Hey Dan, hey Dan, hey Dan, hey Dan. Making disciples. Hey Dan. Dan, 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 Dan. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh man, that's the truth. Uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, that the. I suppose the broad takeaway. Oh, but by, by the way, Mike, I did a dictionary.com search for the definition of the word gravasse, and that is not a word. You didn't spell it right. I, I'm sorry. Hit me with it. G R A B E S. That's Graves. That's <laughs> Graves. Yeah, you say it. You say it wrong. Yeah, it's gravasse like in French. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, That's how they it say is, it. Okay, in, here we go. Graves, Italy. French. Uh, a wine growing district in Grande Department in southwest France. Yep, or right. a dry, red, or white table wine produced in this region. Yep, some gravasse. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Were you calling them for talking wine, Mike? Nailed it. Ben. Hey, Ben. Ben, 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 Oh, man, that reminds me of that commercial. That I didn't even remember what it was for, but it was a camel that was walking yeah. through an Good office. Yeah, it is. Hey, Mike, 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 Mike. Man, that's, I tell you what, what it is. you want to find a sitcom, I'd watch. It would be social media, but portrayed in real life. Oh, my gosh. Just people running by, saying the same crap they'd say on the internet, but saying it in front of like their, their neighborhood. It'd just be so ridiculous. Right. Do you see how cute this cat is? Yes. <laughs> Leave me alone. And then 10 but minutes- did you look at it? Do you like this cat? <laughs> like, do you really like it? Because it's right here. And- Here's 14 other pictures of it. And then ten minutes later, some guy comes running from down the street, looks in your front window, and gives a big thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love those cats. Yeah. Oh, and another gosh, person weeps. <laughs> All the reactions. Little boy does slow home run trot from third to home. <laughs> Holy cow! I got to turn them off, man. You got to do your best to turn them off. Uh, you're I've not had- missing anything. That's the thing. The big worry is that things are passing you by, or you're missing all kinds of stuff. Here's what I'm going to say. It's, it's going to happen once. You're going to get burned one time. The rest of the 99 years you were alive, you're not getting burned. That's a valid point. Every time I think to myself, like I wish I was the person that like, left my phone in my kitchen while I was sleeping, 
and like like just went away from it. I'm yeah. always terrified that something is going to happen uh, in the middle of the night. That like yep. someone was trying to call me and there was an emergency. I'm going on 15 years of having a phone, and there's been maybe three. Yeah, yeah. three I, nights I, that there were I actual emergencies. I slept in a different room than my phone for a long time. It's phenomenal, and it's peaceful. Yeah, it is. And I've never missed a thing. Man, I don't know how. Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> I'm like not. I'm afraid. Like I'm going to wake up and someone be like, "You weren't there." And then Uncle Randy died. It's like, oh, crap. I, here's it, the thing. Is he you still picking dead? Up, you picking up a phone ain't going to stop Uncle Randy from dying. Right. Right. Or maybe it was he was jumping off a bridge and I could have gone to the bridge. Yeah, you really think a lot of yourself. I don't think so. You've seen my phone go <laughs> off after half an hour. We talked about this earlier, Mike. Yeah, people are, are, yeah, but that's the thing. First of all, you agreed to all those things. And second agree, of all. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and second of all, you know a bunch of needy people. Yeah, you got to shut that down. You do a lot. Uh, it says that uh, to sum it up, says print and digital Bibles are usually framed in opposition to one another, but the data suggests the relationship is much more complex. No. He said Bible reading today is more of a multimedia experience with yeah. readers using a combination of sprint, screen, and audio depending okay. on the form of Bible engagement. So people used to say, hey, man, what are you going to do? I'm going to go do my devotional. And instead they say, hey, man, what are you going to do? I'm going to go fire up a multimedia experience <laughs> with the book of Job. <laughs> I mean, you're really you've you've over dramatized it, friend. Right? Uh, everything is not so gravas. You know what I mean? Man, there's there's some serious South of France red and white wines in this deal. I, I mean, for heaven's sakes. He says that said his observation revealed that people make these choices often based on convenience. Often grab oh, oh man. Often grabbing the capitalized nearest available Bible, henceforth referred to as NAB. <laughs> See, you thought Bible. I was wrong when that I made fun sick. of this man. He's over the top. Oh, man. And unaware of the effect the medium has on the message and the reader. But one of Dyer's biggest takeaways is how men and women differ in Bible reading preferences and comprehension, suggesting that digital Bible apps engage men more but may not provide deeper understanding. It's the same how Bible. Long it's going to be until Ben makes the joke. Oh, I'm reaching for my NAB. Where's my NAB? <laughs> I actually, I could, so my eyes were scanning, and I thought he was going to talk about a translation. I thought it was going to be like the NASB or something. And sure enough, no, he's come up with some sort of stupid acronym. Yeah, what, what translation do you read? The NAB? The NAB? What's that? Nearest available Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's catfish. Oh. Oh, see, look how far removed. If anyone had made that joke in the second century, they would have been like, it's in a synagogue. <laughs> you, you got to borrow it. We only got one. <laughs> that's, that's an incredibly valid point. Right. Wait, I, I want to take in. The, I want to take in uh, the Book of Jonah. What do I do? Uh, go ask, to the ask Yazim. <laughs> He's memorized it. He's memorized. Yeah, exactly. Chapter yeah, two, Yazim. You, you go to him and He'll sit down in front of him with a campfire, right. and then you listen to him tell the story. I don't know chapter. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No chapter. You mean the book? I tell a whole story. <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah. What's your favorite verse? I read whole book. <laughs> <laughs> what are chapters? We call them bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a moment. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> Good article. Here we go. The NAB. Um, uh, that guy's a nerd. I'm sorry. I, I was going to call him, but I mean, I, I'm sure he's a great I told dude. you from the beginning. Seemed like a cool dude. Uh, um, all right. So, uh, for the, oh yeah, fastest growing church. Here we go. For the last few years, researchers have credited the underground church in Iran as the fastest growing Christian church in the world. It has unique characteristics that defy comparison with churches in American Europe, and in the opinion of some who know it well, the church in the West could learn by studying it. Uh, the fastest growing church in the world has taken root in one of the most unexpected and radicalized nations on earth, according to the uh, Sheep Among Wolves, the outstanding two-hour documentary about the revival that has taken place inside Iran. 
The Iranian awakening is rapidly reproducing discipleship movement that owns no property or buildings, has no central leadership, and is predominantly led by women. The documentary was produced by Frontier Alliance International, which supports disciple-making teams targeting the unreached and unengaged within the 1040 window. I don't know what that means. Uh, it says there's a mass exodus leaving Islam for Christianity within Iran, according to FIA. Um, and so th- there's a few quotes in here that I thought were really cool. First one is this. What if I told you Islam is dead? One identified Iranian church leader says on the film, what if I told you the mosques are empty inside Iran? What if I told you no one follows Islam inside of Iran? Would you believe me? This is exactly what is happening inside of Iran. God is moving powerfully inside of it. Um, many of the ruling class still follow Islam, uh, in quotes, because that's where the high-paying jobs are, according to the film. But the majority of the ordinary people love God and recognize that Islam is the problem. What if I told you the best evangelist for Jesus was the Ayatollah Khomeini, an Iranian church leader asks. He maintains that the Ayatollahs brought the true face of Islam to light, and people discovered it was a lie, a deception. After 40 years that under Islamic law, a utopia according to them, they've had the worst devastation in the 5,000-year history of Iran. Um, it said, efforts by the Ayatollahs to destroy Christianity have backfired, but have served to refine and purify the church. Uh, the quote was, what persecution did was destroy the church that were not disciples, and destroy the church that were about converts. The Iranian church leader noted, all these church planters found out that converts run away from persecution. Disciples would die for the Lord. So our model inside Iran is that we don't convert to disciple. We disciple so we can convert. Often a disciple-making movement begins the first moment someone comes into contact with an unbeliever. Everyone is, uh, is foundational. Everything is foundational on prayer. We find people of peace through prayer. We even find locations through prayer. When we do um, disciple-making, Jesus has gone faster than us. He has come in their dreams or he's come miraculously in their lives. When we hear this, we know that Jesus has gone ahead of us. Surprisingly, the emphasis is not planting churches, it's making disciples. He is letting unbelievers lead other unbelievers to himself in the kingdom of God. If you plant churches, you might make disciples. But if you make disciples, you will plant churches, the Iranian church leader. Hmm. One thing powerful with them is is, is obedience-based discipleship. It is based on the authority of Scripture, and every time you read the Scripture, you must obey it. This is how people become conformed to the image of Christ and sanctified. They are not just reading the Bible for information. They are reading the Bible to get transformed. About 55% of the disciple-makers are women, according to the Iranian leader. There, there's the difference between them and America, well, their, their purpose in reading right. to be transformed mm-hmm. to, and to obey, not to just, oh, I need more information. Yeah, how can I parse this out to make what I'm yeah. doing right now okay? Either to, to, to argue mm-hmm. or to see if I agree or yep. whatever, yeah. I right. can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Therefore, I can do whatever I need to do ever, and Jesus will automatically make it work. That's true. That phrase, obedience-based discipleship, I love that. Uh, is awesome. And I'm sure <laughs> it comes off offensive, right? Yeah. Like people like grace-filled discipleship, right? Uh, Holy Spirit-filled discipleship. Yeah. But they're like, obedience, do what it says. You read the Scripture, you do what the Scripture says. They're not discounting the Holy Spirit. They're not saying Jesus doesn't go ahead of us and make ways and paths straight. He doesn't say any of those things, right? They're, they're agreeing that all this stuff still happens. But, but your end of it is... You read what God says, and, you and then obey. you obey that. That's it's, how you keep from aggrieving the Holy Spirit. That's, that's exactly obeyed. right. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the truth. Like you read, you read the Bible with with a, a yes sir mentality, and like even like uh, I saw I family that I know that that kind of does this well that I love. They, they they talk to me about it from the perspective of like the way that my faith has been growing within the last couple of months is is exactly that is it is striving towards obedience based relationship with God, and it's it's been the whole concept of like. They told me they we've risen our kids or we've raised our kids for years with the concept of when they hear something that's right, their immediate reaction does not have to be something in which it's happiness or if it's something against what they want to do, they understand that they are going against what they're wanting to do, but it still is your response is yes, sir, yes, ma'am. That's what you do. 
and, and it's the same concept of 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 a relationship that I'm seeing with 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 God that it's like yeah there's stuff in here that like it's hard it, it it's hard stuff like we're going against our general nature uh, our our sinful nature when we are are fighting to love God by obeying his commands right and and it is a yes sir kind of deal it is I'm going to read this I'm going to respond I'm going to obey I'm going to transform and then through transformation I'm going to have peace and joy because I'm going to be closer in likeness to you after I've I've implemented this and done this in my heart and work towards obedience in this scripture and obedience in this. And that's a beautiful way to look at it rather than just hallmarking it and going, what's the next little thing I can pick out of here so I can live this day like that and then completely forget it in the actuality of it. Obedience-based discipleship. I like it. Like I, uh, I, I felt that combined with that kind of John one, um, I, I, think, I think as I look around our culture and our country, um, I'm not saying that this stuff is not happening, but it, I feel like we're not, we wouldn't listen, right? Like, yeah. like I feel like that there are, it is, it is encouraging, it is edifying to the church to look out and say, the Lord ain't given up on his world, uh, but he is going to people who will listen to him. Yeah, we are not the moral high ground. And, and he, think of this, think of this. This thing, it's this, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be honest, and I'm sorry for the relatively crass language, but it pisses me off. When, when they're, they're Christianity, the, the powerful voices from American Christianity are not only so mixed up and mingled in uh, often with political stuff, but listen to how they talk about Islam. Listen to how they talk about Muslims as a whole. Now, you tell me that God is showing up to people who are looking for him. That's why he's in Iran. That's why Jesus is knocking on the door in a dream to a, to a Muslim guy because the guy's like, I want to follow God. Right. And because man has presented to him something that is false about God, God goes, I'll straighten that out directly. Right. Jesus shows up in a dream. And so before we, you got to be very careful about bucketing groups of people as another religion. They, it's the same thing denominationally, too. Like we're like, oh, you know, that, that, those guys are just wrong. They believe right. the wrong types of things. God will find people who are looking for him in whatever structure they're at, and he will help straighten <laughs> out whatever's going on. And so I, I just it, it sometimes irritates me because we start um, sometimes people are going to talk about um, America and Christianity um, and, and they, they start to talk about other people who are looking for God and they just happen to be in another religion. Now, I don't think that you will not be saved by that other religion. I'm, let's be clear on that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that people who are faithfully looking to obey God, God will enter into your circumstances mm-hmm. and make sure that you hear true things. Be careful. Let's be like if, if if the Lord Jesus goes, that's a whole groups of people who are an opportunity of which there are folks in there who are faithfully looking for me. Don't you dare write them off as people right. who aren't aren't listening to uh-huh. God. In fact, they might be actually seeping God harder than we are. We just assume that we get it. We're very privileged in that re- respect. Oh, because the knowledge thing, right? We, right? We've read the Bible for knowledge, and we know more than you. We're smarter than you. Right. Therefore, we're better than you. And yeah, you can read that book a hundred times and not and not. I mean, there's plenty of people that have. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's throughout history. There are plenty of people who read all the scriptures, and it, it's, it's a knowledge-seeking thing, and they're not looking for the heart of God. And they're not looking for – they're not trying to find Yahweh. They're trying to find what they can glean from it. And, I mean, there's plenty of place, positions that they, they were looking for power through it of how can I pacify my, my people with this, and it worked. It has yeah. worked many times. Yeah. And so, and, but it's, it's incredibly transformative, that obedience-based discipleship and obedience-based understanding of, 
of what God is. I'm going to come to these scriptures with the thought process of God. You are correct. Your ways are right and your ways are good and mine aren't. And my heart is on on display for you. If there's a part of this that needs to be changed, I ask for your Holy Spirit to enter and fix it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the seeking of the knowledge of Scripture without the obedience is completely self-serving. It is an attempt to either build yourself up, make yourself feel wise, or, or gain yeah. power over and exert it over someone else using God's name as the means. Right. Yeah, there's, there's no wrong, there's no problem finding knowledge in there. I mean, there's plenty of scripture about, yeah, I yeah mean, about learning, yeah. about instruction. I mean, what, yeah. Psalm 119 is literally about David being excited about the instruction sure. of the Lord. It's the longest chapter uh, uh, of. But just, why is he excited about yeah, it? Exactly. Is it, point? it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He knows who it's coming from. That's the important portion. He knows where the instruction of the Lord is coming from. He knows where the, the knowledge is coming from. He knows where the, the, uh, the learning is coming from. And it's important because the teaching is coming from Yahweh. It's coming from the divine creator, and his knowledge is right and good, and it's okay to have it. Right, well, because of that, he intends to obey it. Like, that's yeah, the point. It's like, oh, right, yeah, the exactly. knowledge of the yes. Lord will come upon me, and then I will have it to use at a cocktail right. party. How great, are your, how great are your instructions, Lord? He's saying that because he knows where it's coming from, and he, he is obedient to the king that it comes from. Yeah, I think I, somewhere along the line, I intuitively backed off of, a lot of people like to argue scripture, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's fine. It's fun to have a good debate on on things once in a while, whatever. But uh, I, there, there's people you know. Their intent isn't to find out what do I need to obey, right. but they're trying to beat you in an argument. Yeah. And, and, and I, I just have a tendency to just not engage in right. that because what what does it matter if I win? You're still not going to obey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, you're you're after the wrong thing. Yeah, this I'm, isn't meant to be. I got to debate. process some of this because I think I've kind of figured some of that out along the line, yeah. accidentally, uh, you know. And uh, I don't know what that means. Even I'm just talking. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, anyway, yeah. good yeah. encouragement. Uh, the Lord's still still moving in the church, and I think we've got things we can learn from it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, so interesting, interesting thing happened to me this week. I had to go to um, I had to go to Boston uh, for work or whatever. I've never been. Crabcakes. No, so here's the oh, I'm thing. I'm thinking Baltimore. Uh, uh, hey, you know what was what? weird? Same thing. <laughs> I was looking for things. I thought, hey, man, I should find stuff to do in Boston. And uh, I made this that very mistake, but it wasn't around the crab cakes. I'm like, I'm going to go check out the grave of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> and it took me about 30 seconds. I'm to like, realize, nope. No. Wrong place. That's not the right city. <laughs> that's a different B. That, that's Baltimore. Doggone <laughs> it. That's not Boston. I was very upset. Did you go to the baked bean factory? Uh, no, I, I didn't have a lot of time. I was there. I was there. I came in Thursday. I was supposed to leave Friday. Um, Boston baked beans. Uh, but I did go to, um, so I went to the Boston Commons, which is uh-huh. like um, an open park area. I think, think like Central Park in New York. This is like this in Boston. Uh, it's where. Uh, it's where Rocky was, right? Uh, no. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Oh. That, that, <laughs> Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I get it. There's a joke. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then I went to see. Um, <laughs> You're the, a liar. The old, <laughs> the old North Knowledge Church. Knowledge pops up. <laughs> where the where they hung the lanterns two of by two of, one of by land two of by sea oh yeah yeah. Uh-huh. yeah yeah so I went to go see that uh, but they wanted like eight bucks to go in I'm like well I mean I can see the steeple from the outside <laughs> so it's like the lanterns still there probably not uh, no they said one of the lanterns is in a museum in in Concord and then the other one is not around uh, like it's it's been lost to history it's national treasure yeah yeah uh, it's in a rock anyway. Anyway, so it was it was an okay trip, uh, but so, but anyway, I, I got the the flight homes were terrible. Like I got delayed. I got had to stay. I was supposed to be home Friday. I didn't make it home till Saturday because couldn't get out of Boston or couldn't get out of Philadelphia between Boston and Philly. It didn't matter. 
So uh, anyway, I come home. This is the weirdest thing. So I was tired. I was I've been on planes for like two days, and I, w- I was coming home. And I get off the plane in Des Moines, and I just want to go home. And so I get up to. I, you guys been to the Des Moines airport recently? Yeah. Okay. So like when you come down, there's like two sets of escalators, right? And so I come up, and there's like a line at the escalator. I've come home many times through that mm-hmm. Des Moines airport. I've never seen like a line or whatever. And so yeah. I get up. Sometimes it's like, half empty or mostly empty. Right. right. It's yeah. a small airport. Yeah. So. Uh, Anyway, it's backed up. I'm like, what the heck is going on over here? And I assumed, like, maybe someone came home and there was a pig to do and people were hugging or whatever. And so I come off the line and, like, I'm kind of poking around or whatever. And I finally inch my way forward. And there's, like, a giant throng of people all, like, waiting down at the arrival area after these escalators. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. There was nobody hugging. There was no, like, balloons or whatever. And so I finally got down the escalator. And you guys, uh, the the guy who holds the the limousine, the limousine guy, it's a sign. And so I look at the sign. And you'll never guess what it said. Pope. It said Pope right on it. Every time. Every <laughs> I, I freaking was, time. I, I was hooked. I was, I was straight up hooked on that one. Limo <laughs> man had, had a sign that said Pope on it. And I'm like, well, I'll be doggone. Is the Every po- the, time. Po- the Pope is coming. <laughs> you know, Ben, I happened to be at the airport actually a couple days ago. <laughs> you know what's funny? Is there, there are actually celebrities coming into town for a couple things. Like there's Politicians. There's, yeah, the guy from uh, uh, the guy, Mark Cuban or whatever his name is from. from uh, is he Shark as famous thing? as the Pope, though, Bova? That's no. why the escalators were backed up. But the, <laughs> somehow this man was under the, the impression the Pope was coming. And I, so I asked him, I said, Dude, is, what, is that is that like a? I thought maybe it was a Spanish, and it just said Pope. I, yeah, that's what I thought. So I said, "Hey, man, is Scott that Pope? Is that the like Pope. the Pope, or is it like maybe like there's a Spanish uh, singer, Pope? Like Pope." <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "Hey, man, is is that?" The, he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Pope. Pope's coming to town." I said, "Well, I'll be doggone." And so anyway, I uh, I said, "Well, you know, where's he going to go after this?" He's like, "You know, I, I can't tell you that." And so I waited, I waited for the. Pope. I said I waited, and uh, long story short is I followed this guy. I followed this limousine, and it goes to Mike's house. Yeah, it does. What? It goes to Mike's house, and everyone else is apparently caught on that this was going to happen. There's this long throne of people heading through through Pleasantville, Iowa, hanging out at Mike's house, and they the population, and nobody gets out of the limousine or whatever. And so they decide, like, I don't know what the ruse was, but ultimately they get out and, like, they won't leave because they expected the Pope to be there, and, and they won't go. And so Mike has to come out, and they just assume Mike's the Pope. And so the lo- long short of it was Mike has to give some sort of Pope-style advice, like the Pope would give, to get these people off his lawn. Mike, what did you tell him? So I got out of the limo, and I said, listen. And then I let, it, I let it sit for a little while, right? I gave it some space. And I said, here's the thing. You don't listen right. You're not listening well. And then they seemed upset. Like, I didn't think I was going to give them some kind of, you know, a hand ringing or a finger wag. And, and uh, it had actually just had been something that I was, I was listening to a guy talk on this a little bit, and I'd been thinking about it. And it really, it, it kind of tied into um, some of the, the social media stuff we were talking about. But, like, um, I, I thought about it in context of, of uh, I was, I'm trying to come up with something that I was going to talk to our youth, our youth group about this year. And I thought, we just, we need to give them some life skills, right? Like skills that the Bible imparts on us, right? But, but like life skills, just stuff to remember, stuff to do, stuff that everyday stuff, you know? And I was listening to a guy talk about listening today, and it like, it couldn't, it couldn't have reminded me more of, of God's heart towards me and God's heart towards other people that like it takes a large amount of humility to actually listen to somebody, right? When they're talking. 
Like people act like it's a, it's just a skill, right? Like where you you look at them and then you listen to what they're saying. But like actually actively listening to somebody is taking your agenda and moving it completely off to the side and saying, my agenda is gone. My agenda is now whatever your agenda is. And I'm listening to that. I'm getting rid of every thought in my head, every plan that I had going on. I'm just moving it completely to the side. And it takes a large amount of humility that says, I'm going to take everything that I'm doing and I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of it and I'm giving it all to you. And I want to hear what you're saying. And I thought, boy, I never listen that way. I, I don't I don't act I don't do that right like and people always accuse accuse you of saying you know you're just uh, you're just listening enough where you're waiting for your turn to talk people say that a lot yeah. um and and I suppose that's that's true a lot but that's how a conversation happens right so like they used to like to use that negatively I mean if if people didn't do that I mean there's some real slow thinkers in this world right <laughs> like when you get done on this twenty second spiel right and then you look at a guy and he sits there dumbfounded waiting for his brain to fire back up and then kick out a <laughs> retort you're like whatever. <laughs> Obviously, what I said was not important enough for you to come up with a response, <laughs> and so I don't know if that's the best tact either. But the truth of the matter is, is, is um, I think that the part that's hard to grasp it's the humility part. It's saying it's saying I'm going to move everything that I have right now. I'm going to move my agenda, and I'm I'm going to make my agenda you. And that goes for when you're sitting across the table from somebody. That goes for where your phone is. Right when you're having that conversation with somebody, where we're talking about giving people permission to interrupt anything that you have going on, first of all, you're allowing that. You're 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 saying, look, I could be talking to my wife, my best friend, a grieving widow, uh, a small child, any of the number of things of people that I could be talking to, and as long as that phone is in my hand, I'm giving everybody I've ever met the complete right to interrupt it. I'm saying, look, wife, I love you, but. There is a million other things that I will allow to interrupt this conversation right now. I might not, it might even be a, a, fo- a how many how many times in the last month have you seen a a scam caller come up on your phone from the town over and you're like that's a scam I don't know nobody in that town and you pick it up anyway hello <laughs> hello is this scam hello it's Mike <laughs> I never pick that up Mike oh I always I pick them up what really. Almost always. Now, frankly, maybe it's because of my job that I get phone calls from all over the United States. Okay, yeah. Right? So, like, I, I always pick up the phone. But even even with a 95% uh, guarantee rate that I know if something's going to be a scam or not, I will interrupt a conversation with my daughter to pick it up and just double check in case this guy from Palo Alto really does want to talk to me about some unknown business at 530 <laughs> at night. That's stupid. That is stupid. <laughs> right? I mean, just, that's just over-the-top dumb, right? It's same with same with a ding and a text message and a, and, a, and a work email on a Saturday when I'm not there. I'm not working. You're not paying me to work. And I'll see a little red line, a little red number come up and go, three. And I go, I wonder what those are. Well, I want to see them. And then I'll see that it's an email from someone at work. And I'll go, ooh, this is important. No, it isn't. It's Saturday. And you shouldn't be emailing me. I've given you more permission. Right? And all that to being said is like there's a there's there's humility in the way that you run your relationship, there's humility in the way that you listen to other people. And and when you allow that many things to be between you and the other person that you're dealing with, even even if you're supposed to be playing a board game or something silly, you're watching a movie, yeah. right? The kids get so mad, right? You can't be on your phone while you're watching a movie because I say that to them and then they say it to me. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense, right? Like we're doing this thing together. So, anyway, broad brush was um, if you're going to give people your attention, you actually have to give it to them, which means that you have to take your kingdom and move it off to the side. And when you're going to listen to somebody, you're going to you're going to humbly listen to them, 
right? And you're going to take all these distractions, and it means putting your phone in the other room, and it means taking all the thoughts out of your head. I, I struggled. Buva was in the middle of talking not 10 minutes ago, and this advice came to my head because I started I was looking at this Chandler Knutson poster, and I'm like, what song did she sing when she was in here? And then I Googled her, and she's been on The Voice, and now I'm gone. And I missed 30 seconds of what Buva was saying because I looked at a poster, and I was, I was not... That was that's not humbly listening to what Troy's saying, right? That's me just going, well, maybe Troy's real boring. I don't know. Actually, I missed it. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I wasn't even listening to know whether that's true or not. That's horrible. I don't want to live my life that way. That's that's no humility. That's no weight. That's no worth in the way that you're dealing with people. So, Pope style advice is if you're going to listen, if you're going to interact, if you're going to interact with God the way that he interacts with us and you're going to take that heart and put it on other people, your kingdom has to decrease. Your humility has to go up, and you actually have to care about the people you're talking to or listening to. And to do that, you have to give them your space, the space that you've carved out for you and your thoughts and your whatever. You have to be able to put your stuff down and humbly take on theirs. And that's it. You know, while you were saying that, Mike, the entire time I was thinking about what I was going to respond with, uh, so I wasn't really listening. But Yeah. Um... Part of my, part of the gifts that, that, that God's given me with my personalities, I, I, can, I can connect to a lot of people. Like, I just have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can walk into a room and I can be good friends with a lot of the people in there and I can make them feel very, um, very cared for. And I, I just, it's just something I'm good at. Um, but I really suck at it. <laughs> like, uh, from the perspective of, like, I, I, have, I have so many people in my life that contact me randomly for ever stuff will call me will want to talk stop me when they see me at a, at a store or anything like that and a lot of the times i look at it as such an inconvenience it's like why why does it, why do these people want to want to stop and talk to me i haven't talked to you in a decade why we saw each other we can leave it at that good to see you bye but like it, it literally not naturally leads to truthful in-depth conversations of like what have you been doing the last 10 years what's been going on in your life what are you up to now all this different stuff and most of the time i take that and just go ah, it's, uh, yeah i mean I'm more focused on why I'm actually here, and I'm not really worried about that. And I'm not super worried about the repercussions of that kind of stuff, but there are legitimate conversations that I could be missing and serious people in serious need that I could be missing out on uh, in my day-to-day life because I'm constantly uh, stuck in, well, I was doing something, and so this is kind of inconvenience for me. So I'll, I'll, I, will, I will entertain it as long as the social contract says that I need to, but no more than that. That stinks. Like, I really could be missing out on serious stuff with people that I love and that I care about that I'm half-heartedly listening to and half-heartedly paying attention to. I'll be on the phone with my girlfriend sometimes, and I'll be on my Facebook. That's ridiculous. That's terrible. And I'll be sitting there, and I'll laugh at something on Instagram, and they'll be like, what are you laughing about? <laughs> oh, man. There was nothing, there was nothing to be laughing about because we'll talk on the phone. So she's in, in Africa. So we'll, that's our dates. That's our time together. And so we'll be on the phone for five and a half hours. And so four and a half hours in, I, we're just sitting there randomly just kind of chatting about stuff, and my brain will go, well, I'm on my phone anyway. Pull up Facebook real quick. Or I'll get a notification on Facebook, and I'll go look at it, but then that will lead me to, well, what's everybody else up, up to? And I'm missing quality time with a, with a woman that I care about and that I say that I love. And, man, I got to get better at that. That's absolutely true. Like, there is some serious humility to that that I need to check myself at the door and my needs at the door and just go, all right, this is a human being. This is the child of God, regardless of what the situation is. Uh, let's let's take a little bit more more time, and let's take a little bit more of my my focus and my my attention 
and give it to this person in, a, in an attempt to care for them, in an attempt to, to love on them. And I need to do that better. Yeah, well, like, uh, think of those examples, right? Like, you're talking to someone, and then something else pops up, and, like, that shifted to your fear of missing out on whatever else is going on. Right. That completely diminished um, honoring the fact that someone is otherwise talking and sharing with you. Yeah. yeah is this, a, now, is this a, a generational thing? Because, like, I feel like uh, they're, uh, this is going to sound bad, old people get this better. Like, and it, it, maybe it depends on, on the types of folks, but, like, like I'm thinking of, of certain um, family members of mine, and, like, some of them are just awesome. Like, they, right. look you, they look you in the eye. They sit and listen. They remember things that you told them. They, they, so uh, oftentimes, um, I, I think I took this in wrong. They used to, like, ask some of the kids questions, and, like, like what are these inane questions? Like, oh, how tall are you? And, uh, well, you know, are you having fun with your friends? And what is that little friend's name of yours? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, boy, look at this. All. I don't really care about any of this. Because I don't. I literally don't care. I don't know how tall my kids are. They're shorter than me. That's the extent that I know. Um, and then the next time, the same, the same as his grandma. One of his grandma could go, hey, how tall? You know, oh, you look like you're getting big. Now how tall are you? And the kids would know. And they'd be like, oh, you've grown a couple inches over the last three months. And how's that friend of yours? You know, Louise or whatever. I'm like, what the heck ever, man? They actually cared about that conversation. They listened intently. They remembered stories that you told them. They, they, they have no other focus in the world, actually. They're actually not thinking of anything else. They don't, they don't care what's on the television. Uh, and like, and I thought that's a good, that's a good grandma right there. Like, and I thought as a dad, I actually stink at this. I, I mean, I know the basic things, but like, yeah, which one are you? Yeah. Which, you know, (laughs) (laughs) actually, Hey, so when I do the laundry, I actually don't know who belongs. I I got, I'm up to the clothes, most clothes, but like socks and even under oh, that's impossible. I know. Yeah. I just stick them all in a pile. I'm like, yeah. y'all come feed frenzy. I can't, yep. I can't keep track of this. <laughs> Me too. Come to the sock trough. And now my oldest kid is the same, uh, is kind of the same height as my wife. And now t-shirts are starting to become a problem. I'm like, I'm going to get my best, but I, I'm going to fold. I'm going to put in a pile. And then you tell me where I get it wrong. Uh, but anyway, I just like, it is so markedly different than the experience and, uh, that I have. And like, I know that it's better. And I know that I am very shallow in how I listen to their stories <laughs> right. or like other people. And I thought, this just doesn't what – what a waste of a moment. Like as a, we're like shuffling moments around, like converts moving between churches, just shuffling them around and be like, yay, we won some. I got to tell my story. Yay, we picked a couple up because they love the music, like whatever it is. Um, we're not actually investing in the very rare and precious moments that we have with each other. Shut your mouth and take, take – some minute detail in because that frankly is what our lives are made up of it's made up a series of minute details of which we actually like that's why that's why old people can talk about the weather they they attach (laughs) things to it they actually care about it they remember what the weather was like they remember what years thing happened i could barely give you a three to five year range in which something occurred and i'm not i'm not quite 40 yeah, winter was rough last year i don't remember yeah and but like oh yeah i remember when i was i had a coat and there was (laughs) It was negative 20. Right, exactly. I remember the blizzard of blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I, I got nothing. I was out of the country. I was in the Philippines. Maybe, I don't know. It's five years ago, six years. I don't know. I have no idea what year that happened. And it's, and it's, but it's this thing. It's when we don't pay attention. We don't listen to stories. And, uh, and because there's, there's so much going on. And, like, all we're doing is taking in, we're fighting uh, amongst shallow moments. Right? Hey, here's the potential to make a, a, a good moment on a date with my wife 
or Buva talking to his lady, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, there's a shallow moment that can suck up what could be really great here. I'm going to go after the, that. Just for the opportunity. It's not even a proven good thing. Right. right? You're like, I'm willing to, 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 to push aside my time with you for the possibility of something being cool or terrible. I don't actually know. It's a gamble, and right. I'm willing to take it. See you, woman. I'm going to Facebook. <laughs> right? Yeah. Boo, sir. You, you know? know Interestingly, commenting on the on the generational st- statement you made, like I think that that differences between forty years ago and now, like information comes at us so quickly now. Like we we are constantly being fed all kinds of it, whether it's from our social media, whether it's from our internet connected phones and all of the devices that we're on at all times. Like we know what is happening split second all around the world if we are tapped in correctly, and there's so much content that we are constantly fed and it's it, I, I can tell you that it it's destroyed my attention span like going back to college after seven years of being out in the world and having to focus on one thing specifically one thing for a long period of time and not be distracted by a bunch of stuff and everything like that it is incredibly difficult to go okay i understand that there's this giant feed of information that's literally in the palm of my hand i can google whatever i need to know if I want to figure out, you know, who the fourth highwayman is, I can really quick jump in there and figure it out and go into the entirety of that. But I have to focus on the fact that I have astronomy homework right now. And, like, this is the most important thing. I have so I have such a, a difficult time sitting down for more than a couple minutes at a time focusing on one thing. And it actually, it's messed up, it's messed up the understanding that I have of, of spending time with God as well. Like... Um, uh, my girlfriend kind of mentioned the other day that, that the, the place that I'm in right now might be helped by spending a serious day with God. And my un- unemployment, instead of Netflix and instead of just randomly playing video games or whatever, like just a day with God. And I'm like, I don't even know how to, I mean, if, really what that looks like. Like, I have no clue. I'd I, make it to 930. I, I tried to plan it on a day that I was planning on sleeping in so that there was less time. And I actually, Mike and Mike came and picked me up from my house uh, at like 4.30 today because we were planning on taking care of something. And I planned it for today because I was like, yeah, well, then it's not a full day. It's only a couple hours that I really need to fill, so that'll be the best way to do it. And I intentionally didn't do it today for that reason because I'm like, no, I need to spend some serious time. I don't know what it looks like to just sit down and worship and pray and read my Bible and not be constantly jumping from place to place to place to place and spend some serious time with God. And it kills me. Like, I wish I could... I, I, you know what? Forget this. I'm, I'm, I'm done with wishing. I'm going to do it because there's no reason I can't. I just need to intentionally invest the time to do so. I just want to go on a walk with God. Like, a legitimate just get out of my house, get out of the environment that I'm constantly comfortable in, and just go on a walk with Jesus. And, and look what that looks like. Like, imagine, imagine what, how much better my life would be in a lot of different ways if I just decided... For a healthy walk with God every single day, physical walk, just going, that would that would change that would change that potential there to change a lot of things. So, so, so what's the rule up here, right? Like, I, I think th- this isn't an advocation for being a luddite. Like, you don't have to forego no. absolutely everything, and you don't. Ha- and it's it's not for an aestheticism that says, uh, Mike. Just so you know, I have to keep muting your microphone because you keep nose breathing into it. Well, I'm disappointed. Okay, <laughs> in you. Why? Because you come at this conversation with such crevasse that I just I find it hard to take in. I don't know what a Luddite is, first of all. And I don't know what that second word you used. I think it was aestheticism, which I also found to, to, to curl my toenails in a way that made me feel dumb. The crevasse. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You're an ox. How about that? <laughs> okay. 
So I don't know that we're saying you have to completely like chuck your phone out the window. Mike, unless Mike, Mike, you might be saying that. Be a Luddite. Yeah, I mean, I, I find advantages to that. But, but I, we're looking for a medium here. I, I think the, the point is to say um, we want to invest in real things. Right. We want to invest in true things. We want to invest in important things. And at some point, you have to define that for yourself. Right. Don't let the world define what is important. Don't let your phone define what is important. Don't let the mechanisms of a programmer somewhere define what is important. Right? Because, like... The only way that my, my phone bosses me around is if I let it boss me around. It's a piece of machinery. It is not to blame for my decisions. It is a reflection of my decisions, right? The fact that I get distracted sitting in my house, uh, and it's actually not, the TV's rarely on, but I just got, like, stuff hanging around, all kinds of stuff that are waiting for my whim. Oh, I want to pull a guitar off the wall. Uh, oh, I got a stack of 75 books that I'm just going to take a peek at, or, like, whatever it is. Um, oh, I can't, I can't uh, maintain a focus on this thing because uh, 10 other things are broken and I can't keep my mind off it. Like, those are reflections of my problem. It's, it's, the, my, the stuff is not to blame. Now, so take control of the stuff. If the right. stuff causes you a problem, uh, then start, like, turn all the notifications off. Just do it. Just do it. I, I, so I deleted Facebook off my phone, the, um, the app. I, I, I did. I did. Now, I cheat. I cheat. I go to the browser, and I just go to Facebook.com on the browser, and then I can pick it up. But I tell you what I don't get. I get no notifications on Facebook at all. You tag me or whatever, I'll never, I won't know about it until I happen to go intentionally go to Facebook. Explains why Ben never responds to anything. I That's tag. right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, like, step one is to say Facebook doesn't boss me around. Step two is to say I need to reduce how often I go check it. But I, I st I'm still past step one is it's not allowed to boss me. Um and so, like, there's things like that where, like, I, I, I got room to, to move, but I'm making some progress uh, on some of that stuff. And so what's important? Well, it's important to sit and listen to people. It's important to take in the, the, the minutiae. It's important to have a conversation, look people in the eye, pay attention to what they're saying, and recall it. And be able to talk about, about it with them later. And it's more important than your ability to hop back to something else that ultimately you know is of no consequence. Like we just don't take a – this is true actually every corporate uh, evaluation I've ever done of a, of a business or something. Like um, everyone thinks that everything they do is valuable. And then you look at it and you go, look, really? 10% of what you do is actually valuable. The rest, you're just spinning your wheels. You thought you had a good idea. You went and executed it. And you realize – and like if you had taken the time to look at it, you'd be like, this adds absolutely no value into my business. And everybody, most people's lives are the same way. We, sit, we pick up habits and we pick up uh, new experiences and ways of doing things, new technology. And if you were to actually do some level of assessment every six months, you'd go, you know what, 90% of this thing, this did, didn't do what I expected it to. It just soaked up time. It did not improve my life. I'm going to stop doing it. But we don't actually do that. We don't really reflect on it. And so it persists because it becomes just part of what we do. All right. Everybody get off mics long. Yeah. Luddites. Pope. <laughs> the Luddites. So the Luddites were during the Industrial Revolution in chocolate. It, chocolate. What? <laughs> why was what? Oh, buddy. Why are we saying chocolate? It's a social cue we get to use with Buva when he starts panhandling whatever story he wants to tell, and you just shut him down. You say chocolate, and then he shuts up and doesn't he's continue. Used, he's using his phone right now when I was going to tell a Luddite story. I'm turning all my notifications off on my apps because I can't delete Facebook or Instagram off my phone. It literally comes as a pre-downloaded uh, app that does not – it can't go away. Uh, but you, I didn't ever think to turn off the notifications from the apps. Uh, you could also sign out of it. Hey, uh, yeah, that's a good point. you should get a, a phony Facebook account. Actually, that's what I did. I created one for a guy that didn't have one, and then I managed it. 
and I just send out funny Facebook things on his account all the time. I took a picture of a skunk and then put it out there and said, anybody know what kind of cat this is? <laughs> I also took a picture of an empty, an empty, an empty ben, party. You can chocolate Mike if you'd like to. <laughs> I, I'll, have to I'll, I'll give you the address. It's really, it's very funny. I don't need it because then I'm going to go look for it. I don't need to look for it. It will add no value to my life. Yeah, but it'll make you laugh. Anyway, 45-second story. Luddites, uh, during the Industrial Revolution, uh, like they, 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 you were moving uh, work from the farms, right? Agrarian work and it's moving into the cities and stuff. The Luddites were against this. Uh, and the potential human abuses that came with it, and so uh, they came out and they like attacked factories and people yeah, to man. try to keep uh, to keep things from progressing. Chocolate. Awesome. All right. Chocolate. I think, uh, Mike. I think we're we, it's time to hand out some advice. Dear, We've tapped everything. Dear life from the path. A friend of mine is a very nice person. He and his wife live in Pennsylvania. I live in New Jersey. He comes here, and I go there where he lives. <laughs> It's a great story so far. Wow. Every time it's his turn to pay, he comes to lunch alone. Every time it is my turn, he brings along his wife. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yes. I don't this feel right. smarter than you. I don't feel right about it. He does offer extra money, which I'm really not comfortable accepting. What? But, <laughs> I love this one. This, this, we got no problems all so far. When it's his turn, he pays 25 bucks. But when it's mine, the tab is usually 40 to 50 because there's an extra person involved. Well, sure. What? His wife eats devil? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes he takes care of the tip. Did I tell him I have things to do and can't go to lunch? <laughs> That's a good option. You buffoon. <laughs> How are you married with friends? <laughs> I don't get it. How'd you make it this far? Oh, dear. I mean, he's really cut to the quick of it. <laughs> <laughs> this is unresolvable. We're gonna. I'm busy. You should just be passive aggressive and start bringing your wife along. Yeah, I could no longer go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when when are you doing lunch? I don't know. I don't do lunch anymore. I gave it up. I'm too busy. Because <laughs> I'm a chicken. <laughs> Wait, was that it? Yeah, that's it. That's the question. Should I? <laughs> the only option is: Should I tell him I have things to do and can't go to lunch? <laughs> that's the only thing this person could come up with. Of a possibility that they should do. You were a dunderheaded buffoon. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I've, you said he offered to pay the difference, and you turned. But it I down. won't accept it. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, I'm upset about the fact that he's offering me more money. Yeah. But I, I'm I, also upset that he's not paying that money. I'm curious that his wife eats for two men. Right. Two guys. How does your meal double when 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 Bertha comes along? And she comes, and it's fifty. <laughs> She gets a couple drinks. I was gonna say yeah. she's a lush. She likes Manhattan's. She loves the she loves the gravas no. from, uh, <laughs> from the south of France. Here's, here's the thing: Super is that like, the situation is even pretty reasonable. If if he yep. travels to go visit his friend, he goes well, where to say New Jersey and what Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. So he travels from New Jersey to Pennsylvania to go visit his friend. His wife doesn't always come along, but when the dude shows up, drives to their place, his wife is around. Yeah, and so either they go have to go out and leave his wife at home, or she goes. Like this is not even an unreasonable situation. Maybe the wife thought they were all friends. Yeah, she's yeah, mistaken. She's not some twenty-five dollar like. <laughs> nope. Anchor. <laughs> hey, can you not bring your wife along? I'll pay for you, but she's got to pay for herself. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, plenty of great options in here. Hey, man, if, just Dutch treat the whole thing. If you're able to just leave and travel from state to state, I mean, it may not be that actually far, but are you really gonna like? Bicker about the twenty-five bucks? I don't know the way that he phrased most of this question. He might be the indeed the Luddite. I am from Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. He is from New Jersey. Yeah, I go to him, and he comes to me from time to time. 
What kind of it's weird like a- robot that's assumed a human identity is going on? We partake in lunch. <laughs> okay, hold on. I'm going to assume Newark, New Jersey, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Two and a half hours. I was going to say, it's not that far. Uh, I mean, if you're going, like, actually, Pittsburgh to New Jersey, it's a bit more, because that's one side of the state to the other. Going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia's not too far <laughs> in, west into Pennsylvania. Hey, hold on. Get it to it. Yeah, hour and a half. This yeah. is probably what's going on. Well, look, he, if he lived in Trenton, New Jersey, he would be within, like... T- 20 minutes. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, it's not that far away from each other. Okay, yeah, I, I feel like he's exaggerated this. Anyway. We go from one place. He's from the other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, good, reasonable advice. No, giving up on lunch is not the proper way to handle this particular thing. Uh, you, can, you can call the sheep and just say, hey, look, man, I still want to meet. Uh, let's just, let's just uh, cover our own tabs. Yeah, exactly. Let's simplify this Don't matter. Don't touch it. Yeah, and he's going to say, hey, how come we're covering our own tabs? Because you bring your wife along and it costs me double. And yeah. you've been invited to into what's called a human conversation. Yeah. In which you can state your case, your friend will state his. Hopefully you can come up with a resolution. Or, or uh, again, advice. You come, uh, this next thing occurs and uh, the wife comes and he says, hey, I'll pay the difference. You say, well, thank you. I very much appreciate that. Yeah, but great. You know yeah. what you could do is the next time you go there and they've got to pay, order two entrees. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like that? What do you think of that? That, I'm taking this to my wife. <laughs> Boy, I'd like two steaks today. Oh man, that reminds me of a story I intended to share. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, I'll pick it up next week. Secular says, because you enjoy his company, tell him that although you like his wife, you would feel more comfortable if when you have lunch together, it's quotes just us guys. Oh, Come on. oh man. Either that, or suggest that from now on, you each request separate checks. Okay, fine. Uh, just stop it. Be more generous with your money. You want to do one more? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We can't. We can't end on that. Yeah, that's. There we go. I won't sleep for a week. <laughs> dear, dear life from the path. I never had sex unless I was in love Excellent. and knew there was a strong possibility of a solid future. Well, I am fifty-one now and newly single. My divorce was final four months ago, and I am now living in a new state. I joined. Oh boy, I joined one of those hookup sites. Found, found someone and began having sex with him. Great. <laughs> I nearly backed out and panicked because his profile said he lived 30 minutes away from me, but he was at my house in 10 minutes <laughs> saying he was visiting a friend in my neighborhood. Well, that's not creepy. Oh. He's well-educated, gorgeous, adorable, and I'm having the most amazing, mind-blowing sex of my life. Oh. Mike. <laughs> Problem is, I'm falling in love, and he's only 33. Oh. Uh, what? Okay. I never thought I could go through with a hookup, but I did. I need to end this, but I don't know how. That's it. I'm with it. There's hey, an 18-year difference. He's gorgeous. Adorable. All right. Hey there, uh, Fabio. Well-educated. I've, I've made a mistake. We're done. Yeah. Or you could just go, hey there, Fabio. We're done. Yeah. That's good enough. That, that works. Yeah. 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 yeah, you have the right to just go, ah, nope. Yeah. She don't sound like she wants to be done. We're going to no. go ahead and swipe the other way now. Yeah, that's a valid point. She doesn't sound like she wants to be done. That's Sweetheart, right. Sweetheart, you need to be done. She's asking, she's asking for the advice to be, it, it, oh, it, you're it, having fun. Enjoy it, your life. It is not going to continue. No. The 33-year-old Casanova that's decided to be on, on, the, on the hookup site that was 10 minutes away from your house Creepy. is not in a place where he wants to settle down with you, uh, or does, nor does he share your feelings most likely. You're 51 years old. You didn't see these? I mean, you see no movies, read no books. 
I've not had any <laughs> yeah, relationships no. where a man says, hey, I'm a half hour away. I'm only 10 minutes away. Her, I'll be there. That's first, creepy. Her first 50 years was as a Luddite, and it was just a difficult way. I mean, this is creepy. It's wrong. Things were agrarian. I can't I believe I lucked out that he was only 10 minutes away. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Visiting a friend. It's ridiculous. Check his ID. See if it's even, real, even his real name. You guys want secular advice? Uh, hold on. So, oh, what's, uh, so core advice is, uh, you, uh, first of all, uh, our advice is you actually do need to break this off. Yes. If yes. you're looking for justification to continue this, you're not getting it here. Yeah, no. No. This is a Leave. mistake. Walk away now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And get off the hookup site. Yeah. Okay. Secular says, when people are newly divorced, because the process is often stressful and depressing, they can go on kind of a high when it's final. At some point, you will regain your equilibrium, and when you do, you will know how to end it. In the meantime, keep having sex. In the meantime, yeah, yeah. keep keep going on with uh, with no here. worries, friend. Everything is fine as is. Nothing. You will clean this up yeah, directly because it's going to get easier as time goes on with you catching more feelings for this person that most likely doesn't have feelings for you. Yeah, you know what shuts down relationships? Chlamydia. That's what'll do it. <laughs> Just keep uh, right I'm after not it. Expecting that. Yeah, the, most people <laughs> are. That's a true point. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, the old standard STD. <laughs> Man. Yeah, those are just some foundational things that I feel like. I just here's the thing. This this is this can't be valuable for you. Like you know, this can't end well. I mean, based on, like you're coming off a divorce, I would expect a little bit of hesitance to be like, you know, I thought this other thing was going to work out. Right. Yeah, and that may I don't know what about your situation it may not have been in your control, but you know, obviously your ability to evaluate the situation shifts over time, just like Casanova will. Uh, you're walking into a circumstance of which you were both were looking for something shallow, and now you have this impression that something may not be as shallow as you were as you had originally intended, Uh-oh. and you have no view that his is going to stay the same. Yeah. So like, this is like you're you're ripe for causing yourself a problem, and then continuing to try to fix it in these same ways that are destructive to you personally. Yeah. It's okay to love yourself better than this. Yeah, I mean, most people's reaction to getting into deeper waters is, I'm not prepared. Right, you show up with your trunks on and you start walking. You're three feet in. You're like, yeah, this is great. And all of a sudden, your head starts going. You go, I don't have a boat. I don't have a floaty device. I'm out of here. This is not the place for me. And that's what you're doing. You're trying to figure out a way to camp out in the deep end. You need to leave the deep end and get out completely. Right. Hey, I was real nervous about this, and I had to force myself to do it. Yeah. Why don't you listen to your body and say, yep. you know what? I'm not going. <laughs> Big mistake. Right. Yeah, exactly. You did not have to let them into your house. Yeah. I was only ten minutes away. What do you need to leave? What are you, an Uber driver? Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> at any point in time that you want it to stop, you have every right to go, okay, this this is done. We going to end on that one? Yeah, you want one more? Yeah, okay, let's do one more. I got one more. Oh, man. man Dan's ben? not going to sleep for a week. Yeah, it's late, Ben. Holy no, uh, uh, we started the show late. Somebody was mega late. Man. Probably Boba. Okay, last one. Why is that? Uh, no, we read that one. Oh, here we go. Dear life from the path, my wife of 45 years is an older sister who is a nasty, narcissistic bully. I love this one. Oh, man. <laughs> she has treated my wife and our family like dirt for years, uh-huh. yet my wife continues to tolerate it and refuses to hear any of negative comments about her sister from me. Okay, yeah. Because of the way she has behaved, I do not want any contact with my sister-in-law. I'm at a loss, though, as to how to keep the relationship from causing trouble in my marriage. Why do bully people refuse to see their abusers for what they are? Question. And that's the nature of being bullied. That's a, that's a valid point there. You got to put up fences. Put up fences, exactly. Fences. You need you boundaries, friends. Uh, you are you are married to this woman. Yes, 
the absolute truth of that. Uh, you should have her best interest in, in your heart absolutely 100%. Uh, but that does not necessarily mean you have to allow her family to wreck yours. Um, it's going to be difficult. And especially if your wife is not on your side on that. You're going to have to work through that. There's going to be some conflict that has to happen that hopefully you guys can come through. But that doesn't mean you don't put up fences now and, and invite your wife to your side of the fence. Yeah. There's, there, there's a lot of... Uh there's a lot of pride and lack of humility if you remain in relationships where you think, I am the only one that can reach them. I'm the only one that can save them. I'm the only one that can help them. Um, that is a, a pride-based thought process on your own, especially if you're coming at it from a Christ-following um, angle, which I'm hoping that's where you're coming from. But um, these are gods to handle, and there is no benefit to you or them uh, to be a permanent punching bag, it just it just doesn't make any sense. It's not you're not helping them, right? And they're not helping you. And so, um, I, if you need to set up some boundaries, you need to set them up. Put them up there. I don't think you have to stand on a hill and say. And you take it day by day, right? The boundaries go up, and you say today, boundary day. Tomorrow, maybe boundaries leave. Maybe they don't. We'll see what tomorrow looks like. But today is boundary day, and you stay over there because I'm telling you right now, it's not the day. Right, and that's okay. And I think you take it a day at a time. You don't make long speeches and big wins and put up big dramatic fights. You put up boundaries, and you say these boundaries will stay in place until it's time to remove these boundaries. And I think that's just fine. And I, I, I think it's okay for the I think it's okay for the wife to be like, "Hey, I don't want to sit and listen to you complain about my sister." Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's all right. So no, the, I heard this correctly, right? They're, they've been married forty-five years. Uh-huh. Yes. So they're in their seventies. Yes. So their older eighty-five-year-old sister. Y- yeah, I, I'm like, oh boy, you're right. You're probably not getting together that often. Right. And when you do, go out, go out and work in the garage. Ethel got the Facebook. Just let her do. It. Yeah, let, <laughs> you're not going to change anything. You're not going to change your sister. You're not going to change his his wife's love of her sister yep. or love of being abused. Just let her just point. voice your concern. Every time I post and something, then do on something Facebook. different. What Ethel kind of, shows up in the comments and says, your interests are stupid. What kind of 80-year-old woman is a narcissistic bully? She's going to be dead but, soon anyway. I doubt I mean, she's... I, I bet that this is just residual now. She probably doesn't have the energy to still be the <laughs> narcissistic bully she used to be. Yeah. But this guy's just harbored 45 years of this. Yeah. You, you my, suck, Edna. I tell you, my, my, my uh, mom had, had two sisters, and, I, you know, and, and, like, they just... When they got together, it was like they were in grade school again. Uh-huh. And they treated each other like they did when they were kids, and, and like because my, sometimes my mom would say things, oh boy, my sisters are mean, blah blah blah. I'm thinking, I don't know, they seem pretty nice to me. I, right. I, you know, I don't know. They're human beings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just I, I liked them, but uh, but yeah, like she would revert back into little sister. My mom was the youngest, and so she was like all of a sudden the little one. It's like just exert yourself. You're 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 an adult, you know. Yeah. And so so that's what's going on. She's, the, the the sister here is allowing herself to be abused by the. Abused and like you know right. whatever. Yeah, the hierarchy doesn't exist anymore. They're yeah, all but, but they're letting it continue. Yeah, yeah exactly. You and he's not going to stop that. You don't no. need to go tattle because you're the youngest. Yeah, so let them do that dynamic, and you go. Uh, buff well, the so car. what's it look like for this guy in this marriage to let this happen, but then also to try and be right in his marriage with his with his wife, who's obviously going to feel abandoned if she just. Well, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to say positive things about the sister, but he doesn't have to say negative things right. either. Yeah. Right. I would just okay. remain Let tactful. it be its thing. Yeah. It's what yeah. it is. Go my, build a birdhouse. My sister's being mean to me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, that happens. Been doing it for... I'm so sorry for right. and she, and plus years. He's not, he's not abandoning her. She wants him to stop talking to her about it. Yeah. And so, you know... He okay. cares. That's nice. Yeah. He wants to protect. Guys right. are protectors. Yeah, I was say, yeah. 
All right. Just accept the fact you can't protect her from this. Question was, why do bullied people refuse to see their abusers for what they are? Secular says, it's lack of self-esteem. Bullied people somehow think they deserve the ill treatment they are receiving. Your wife may come from a background where abuse was normal. If you prefer to avoid your sister-in-law, that is your privilege. However, as long as your wife accepts the status quo, nothing will change. Yep. Yep. All right. You've been listening to Life in the Past. We do appreciate you hanging out with us uh, on this uh, crisp Monday evening. Uh, hey, if you got anything that you want to talk to us about, uh, maybe you hate the show. I love that. Uh, give us a call on the complaint line, 515-517-0085. That's 515-517-0085. That's a live from the path complaint line. We also take texts. Maybe you got the newfangled technology. Uh, I stay out of the uh, notifications on the Google Voice. I only know when it happens there once a week. So Can we text out from that number? Uh, yeah. Delicious. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey, send us your phone number, and uh, we'll send you a text back. Yeah. <laughs> Th- that sound impressive? <laughs> we got an organization going on around here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we will see you. Uh, it could be next week. We'll see how the dice rolls. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Past. Mm-hmm.